powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Welcome, welcome to Game Over Montreal. We're doing it again. We're doing it live. Uh, the last one didn't so much work for some reason that I don't know. It was really, really choppy on the stream. So we're just going to start over. Clean, fresh. This one looks like it's pretty solid. It should be good. We doubt we lowered the settings a little bit, even though my internet should be able to handle it perfectly. But hey, your Montreal Canadiens just pulled off a very impressive win against the New York Rangers on the second half of a back-to-back. -back. The goaltending on both sides was spectacular. The chances on both sides were excellent. I watched the game with a five-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old playing and fighting and making sure that I was playing with them the whole time. So... Mark Dumas, my co-host, is going to come in, and he's going to lead the conversation tonight uh, with our guest, Andrew Cohen, from the Marshall Project. Before we bring those guys in, of course, we got to tell you about sports interaction. Think you know which way it's going to go. Make your bet with sports interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, sports interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets, like the Cole Caulfield over-under 50 goals bet. Looking pretty good after another strike tonight for Mr. Cole. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. All right, everyone. I'm going to welcome in our guests now, and hopefully the stream won't crap out on us this time. It's Mark Dumont and Andrew Cohen. How are you guys? We're good. Look at that to you, Andrew. Go ahead. Good. It's good to be back. It seems like only uh, six minutes ago I was on the show, so it's nice to have me back. I've missed Seriously. everybody. How cool is it that people actually will, will will wait for us and then jump back into the stream? Well, we've lowered That's... their expectations now, so there's only <laughs> it's, it's all uh, it's all going to be gravy now. No, we're, we've heightened it. You thought the conversation was good last time when you could barely hear it. It's yeah. going to be even better this right, time. Exactly. This time yeah. I won't be panicking the entire time trying to right. figure out what the heck is going on with OBS. But oh, and before we get started, I wanted a quick word um, to speak about. There was actually a former member of the Montreal Canadiens just passed away. So um, right. much love and uh, thoughts and prayers to Gino Ojek's family because yeah. Gino Ojek was like, you know, you talk people, Habs fans now love Arbor Jacki, what he does, what he defends. Gino Ojek would put him to shame how much he defended his teammates. So um, he was just the best, the best teammate. He would make. Chris Nyland seemed like an altar boy out there. So, um, you know, thoughts and prayers with uh, uh, for Gino Ojik and his family uh, since they just passed. But, hey, that was a great game. And while I'm going to take over a little bit of the hosting, just because I had a better chance to, to watch the game, tonight we're going to talk about Caulfield just being ridiculous um, back on that 49-goal pace, so well ahead of Austin Matthews. And um, we're also going to talk about the Yuri Slavkovsky injury where he's playing on the fourth line. And Kirby Doc, he seems to be kind of the answer to, to, to all the issues the Canes have because they need a good center, they need guys that are good in transition, and they need guys that can open up space, and that's what Kirby Doc does. And finally, I think we need to talk about Samuel Montembeau. He made... Over a dozen high danger saves, and uh, you know he he's been very a very very important part of this team this year, and probably a guy that we underrated. So before we'll get going, we'll start with it. What's your opinion, Andrew? Better Andrew, not host Andrew. Uh, <laughs> what's your opinion it's on uh, Kirby? Just say old Andrew, young Andrew. How about that? That's fair that's enough. Okay. <laughs> Better book collection, Andrew. What uh, what what's your opinion on Kirby Doc so far? Because I know you wanted the Habs to tank, but 
that's been such a home run trade by by you know Jeff Gordon and Ken Hughes, which is it's kind of funny because you know they're like, uh, Gordon was facing facing his his former team there, but what a trade for for Kirby Doc. Yeah, it's an excellent trade. I still want them to tank. Um, you know, my idea of a great Habs game is a really highly competitive loss, like uh, last night. So yeah. um, I haven't changed on that, but yeah, <laughs> it, it's great to see him flying around Kirby Doc like he did uh, tonight. Uh, in that game, um, the offense, the defense, the back checking, the forechecking, um, the smoothness, we, you know, we already mentioned it. Uh, to me, he looks like Pete Mahovlich when he plays like that. Love that. Now, he has to play like that consistently or more consistently. But the idea that you have this big rangy center that you can pop in and he can be successful as a center and also play the wing are is, is precisely the type of player the Canadians need more of. They don't have enough of. And so, yeah, it's really exciting to see him playing like this. Uh, especially when you consider that in two or three years, he's going to have a lot more to work with. And so um, a lot more talent around him, but the speed and the transitions and everything great to see him play uh, that way on the second night of a back-to-back. And I got to say with doc, like every time I see him shoot and score, I'm like, got to shoot a little bit more, buddy. (laughs) The guy has a shot. Him and he only shoots trust their shots. They do. And you know, there are times where, Doc, especially, I think Dadanov as well is like a little bit too unselfish trying to set up teammates because that's what's worked for him lately. Yeah. But uh, Doc, he seems to only want to shoot when he gets a cross ice or a cross crease pass. Which, listen, I get it. Everybody loves to be Alex Tange once in a while, but uh, <laughs> his shot's too good to only have the best possible shot. Right. Just right. Throw one yeah. on net once in a while. But that goal was great just because you saw the, you know, the transition and you saw the puck. So three passes in the offensive zone get the goalie moving. That was perfect. But I want to go back to um to what flannel andrew said and when we're talking about the little m here you know when we're talking about the mahavlish brothers obviously you know frank frank was a little different but pete the way he transitioned into the offensive zone one of his greatest strengths for the habs was that he created ice created open open passing lanes and he got the puck quickly into the offensive zone with control and to me that's what Kirby Doc is doing consistently and when you remove him from that first line you are you're, you're really opening up the possibilities as long as that top line does good, and we'll, we'll hit on that. They did do good, but just the way he changes the entire dynamic of the game is really impressive, and, and we saw it tonight. You know, opening up passing lanes um, and, and quickly with control of the puck, which is something the Canadians don't do very often, yeah. getting well, into he, the offensive zone. Yeah, Kirby Doc gave them tonight what Monaghan was giving them, right? Early in the Exactly. Season. Yes, yes. Um, and, 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 I mean, that's exactly why they were successful tonight. And it, if he can do it consistently – it, uh, it, it'll make the loss of Monaghan, the looming, I hope, loss of Monaghan uh, easier to take. Um, but yeah, right? A second center, a big guy, transition. Mm-hmm. 21 um, years old. 21 years old. And again, the effort I liked. I like the effort. We talked about it before. I like the effort of a lot of the players tonight. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and it's nice to see in an afternoon game, following a night game, on the road at Madison mm-hmm. Square Garden. It's a really good team. Yeah, and, and it's not just because we talked about uh, Dadnov, but I thought Dvorak actually. I yeah. mean, he's got a penchant for hitting the crest, you know, right down the middle of the crest. But I think Dvorak's actually is probably in his better stretch right now. And Jonathan Drouin also looked pretty good. So it's fun to see the depth veteran guys, you know, kind, kind of take some of that pressure off of Caulfield and Suzuki because I don't know how you both feel about this. I feel like Suzuki was really putting a lot of that slump and, and actually the team slump on his own shoulders it was almost re- reaching patch ready levels of like he was blaming himself so um it's great to see the tertiary i don't think they have secondary offense at all but tertiary offense kick in a little bit for the canadians 
Yeah, it is nice. And I think that you, you hit the nail on the head that uh, you both did, that Doc playing the Monaghan role has also allowed a little bit more room to Christian Dvorak, right? Yeah. And that whole situation, I think we also have to give a little bit of flowers to Yoel Armia. Because this is the first time, essentially, this whole season, since like the very beginning when Caulfield and Suzuki were just scoring like crazy and getting killed in the, in the underlying numbers, that the top line looked good without Kirby Doc. Yep. And Yoel Armia was very strong tonight, until- as he has been... <laughs> Yeah, until Truba elbowed him in the in the hip there, but that was like a flying elbow. Like, <laughs> I don't understand how he gets away with that stuff. But anyway, with, like my, my, two, my point, point is that like brothers and we did stuff like that. I'd get I'd get suspended in real life for stuff like that. Well, like my point is, Armia has continued his strong play now that Evans yeah. is out. You know, exactly that maybe he, that would fall off. And he's played really well at that top line, just playing that support role where he mm-hmm. does all the little things to help them get more. Uh, offense that has also allowed doc to you know score on the second line or i guess it was on the power play but still doc got his goal not necessarily they, they were playing well five on five on the second line though they like they yeah. were creating yeah. chances. yeah they were yeah absolutely hey real quick from the chat because i'm so happy to see people back in the chat that because when we were doing we tried a different format and i kept looking at the chat looking for 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 our community the awesome people so i want to thank everyone for coming back real quick yes um claire mentions i hope Slavkovsky isn't injured. I didn't actually see what happened. So can anyone inform me about what happened there? They showed a, a wide angle shot at the end, right at the end of the game, uh, where they thought that he had gotten injured. He sort of limped off on the left side. And uh, the um, analysts didn't want to speculate on whether it was lower or upper, but it was definitely lefter. <laughs> so, uh, um, Eastern Hemisphere. Uh, yeah, he sort of he sort of limped off, and he didn't. So he missed what about half the third period, I think, or maybe a little bit more than half the third period, and that was why probably Anderson was up on the first line, and they were sort of trading off at the at the end. Well, speaking uh, okay. of that, are you worried, Andrew, when you see Slavkovsky? I thought, okay, I actually got quite critical of Slavkovsky because until about three games ago, he, he was having a really hard time. Um, he wasn't creating any chances. He wasn't taking shots. I thought in the last three games. I thought Slavkovsky has been actually quite good, getting good chances. Today, he started right off the bat with two high danger yeah. chances. Yeah. Are you worried when you see him get slotted back on the fourth line like that? Or or is it more of a, can we be honest, Martin Senwi doesn't have four lines. He has one line and a bunch of others that he kind of works with. So does that worry you, Andrew, when you see him back on the fourth after a nice stretch of games? Andrew, me or Andrew, older Andrew or younger Andrew? The, the Andrew with the, the nicer lamps. <laughs> um, no, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. I, I, I was also glad to see him out after he took the back-to-back penalties, right? Because he took mm-hmm. the, the one penalty that they killed off really well, and then they, they, they you know. So it was nice to see him back out. out at he's eighteen, you know. Um, he, he, at this point, you're looking for effort, right? And you're looking for him to to come back from mistakes, and and yeah. uh, you know he did that to me. The games like this are a reminder, not so much of the forwards that they are young, but the defense, right? I mean, the fact that you you go in there and you still have these three young kids on defense that are that are playing really well. Uh, it's mind blowing, eh? We we often yeah. forget that these yeah. guys are are have almost yeah. no experience. Yeah. And you you know you have others in, com, coming, but I mean Harris's game I thought tonight was good. I mean I don't mean to transition to you know go around, no, you but transition I, all the, you want. We'll, the, we'll the young you. we'll the young right stuff you. like we, we talked about Doc, we talked about Stavkowski, but to me that you can go into to Madison Square Garden and sure Montembeau had a great game, but you, you see like competent defense and, and there have mm-hmm. been times in the recent past and the mid recent past where you didn't see that. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Matheson coming back. Right. Cause 
he's now practicing without a with full contact. Yeah. So I would not be surprised if he's back Tuesday or Thursday. And yeah. if that's the case, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Because they probably- although I mean I have to give credit because I think we've been pretty harsh on Edmondson and um, um David Savall. They they've been oh, pretty good together actually. They I, I don't know I, I, Andrew Andrew uh, Morehair. What about what, what do you think about uh, Mathis or sorry about Savard and uh, and Edmondson lately? Like I know I know Edmondson has a really hard time getting out of his zone with the control of the puck, but their underlying numbers have been pretty decent. Yeah, I mean Savard going back to when he played with Matheson, his underlying numbers have been pretty yeah. s- pretty strong, right? Uh, they actually weren't tonight. Um, I don't think. <laughs> I think him and Harris kind of got the top matchup and and got Oof. beat up a little bit. But you know, Savard is a savvy veteran. That pass that he made today, which I know it didn't uh, produce a goal, but oh my god, yeah. putting that through the middle of the ice. Sometimes he just shocks you with his vision, right? And his ability to... He has that one move at the blue line that everybody falls for the every time. The slowest Savardian spinorama. Like. It's so funny. It's like a it's slow so rama It's a slow rama It's amazing. But but you can't stop it. It's like, a, it's like a tidal wave. You just can't stop it. You know it's coming. You have time to prepare. You can't stop it. It's like, even if you've seen it a hundred times, you never believe that that body shape is going to it's pull that off, happen. right? It's like if if I started skating like Paul Korea, you know, it's it's not going to happen. But if it happened, you'd never believe it. Uh, yeah, and Edmondson, I said on the show last night that I re-recorded after ours got eaten alive there, Mark. Uh, I think as much as uh, Edmondson has been terrible this year, we know that this is not normal Joel Edmondson, right? Like, even though uh, Jeff Petrie was very clearly carrying him in a lot of ways the last couple of years... Uh, we knew a few things about Edmondson going into that. We knew that Petrie and Sherratt didn't work out that way because when they tried them together, Sherratt couldn't make quick decisions. Edmondson made smart decisions consistently with Jeff Petrie. He was trusted with the puck on his stick to either defer to his partner at the right point or make a quick play uh, and make quick decisions, good decisions for the most part uh, while he was with Petrie. We're not seeing that so far this year. I know that he's played a little bit better lately, but Overall, with the puck on his stick, he's probably the defenseman I trust the least right now. I, I think there's something up, whether it's just struggling to come back from injury or, you know, the stuff that he's dealt with in his personal life over the last year. It's been there's tough. With his father, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Like, there's a lot of evidence to me to say we should give him a bit of a break. And I'm guessing that a lot of GMs around the league are feeling the same way. And a fresh start on a team that has something to play for where he's well, a guy instead of the guy right. could put him in a really good situation. Yeah. That's the point, right? If he plays four, five, three, four, five in that range. Um, and he's not being asked to be the, the King, like he is here, mm-hmm. especially with Matheson out. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm hoping that he is gone, uh, you know, that they can make a trade for him and, and I, he I'm will sure be gone. That, I guarantee it. Yeah. Right. I mean, it just makes too much sense. Um, and there are too many teams apart from Edmonton <laughs> that everybody keeps talking about. There are too many teams that, that are going to want somebody like him and who remember him from from that Stanley Cup run and you know know that he's going to be able to give them that. Yeah, and it might and- not be it might not be a first and it might not be a big fancy package. It might be a first uh, from last year or from the year before. It, or it might be yeah, 2024. But I'm going to say right now, Andrew, it will be a first. That's that's what I'm hearing, okay. and, and this is from guys from like Pierre Lebrun. But they're talking about the Canes will probably have to retain a little bit of salary. However, yeah. there's a whole bunch of teams next year that have no defensemen signed, and at 3.5, yeah, Washington exactly. Right. At 3.5, you can you can kind of make them one of your more reliable players. Obviously, 
during the regular season, it's a slog, but I think there's a ton of value to Joel Edmondson in the playoffs where he can go full Shea Weber with like seven cross checks to the ribs for every single you whistle. Get for, you get him for two playoffs if you deal for him now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's a war of attrition in the playoffs, and, and I think that's where Edmondson comes into play. And I, I, I want to mention this because someone in the chat was talking about Kaden Gooley. Um, it was a Trinka, uh, born in 83. That's a good year. So when I was um, at the red and white game, so it's kind of like the Canadian scrimmage before the start of the season, uh, I was just chatting with Kaden Gooley, just seeing how he was doing. You know, he wasn't in the game and whatnot. And he mentioned to me, he said, Joel Edmondson, he hasn't just been a, like a mentor really to me. He's been just kind of like a cooler, older brother. That's just like, Hey man, you know, this is what we're going to do. He doesn't force himself to be the mentor, but he provides that stability to the point that he's just a really nice guy. So I don't actually see him as like a, a mentor, but I see him as like the cooler, cooler uncle with these young guys. And Caden was saying like, this guy makes me feel so comfortable and he brings my confidence way, way high. And I know we're jumping into the intangibles and I'm someone that kind of laughed at that, but there is a lot of value um, to having a guy that you can rely on to, to guide these people, but not necessarily tell them what to do, but just be there when things go wrong. And that's what happens with uh, Joel Edmondson. Well, and remember a season is long and, and Mm -hmm. these guys now, Harris and Gooley, you know, yeah, they're in their rookie season, but now what they have 50 games under their belts, right? Or whatever, yeah. 60 or whatever. And it, it's a different feel. It's got to be. It should be if they're progressing the way you want them to progress. It takes several years for your body yeah. to actually get used to the grind of a, a, a season. It was um, Caulfield was saying, you know, or sorry, Suzuki was saying it took him about three, four years and he's still kind of feeling it down the stretch. So, yeah, stuff like that. And uh, just, and uh, you know, uh, he really just seems like a cool dude in the sense that, you know, when you say, hey, I'm moving in two weeks and then your friends start to come up with excuses why they're busy in two weeks. He's the guy that shows up with packing tape at your house and he's like, all right, let's go. You know, we're, we're, we're doing it. So I, I, I will say this right now. I, I'm almost certain that Joel Edmondson will get a first round pick because when you look at players that have Stanley Cup experience, I don't think there's actually intangible or there's value to having a Stanley Cup ring more than the fact that you can just say we got a Stanley Cup winner, but there's so few of them in the uh, on the market right now. Yeah. There's so few guys that are making under $4 million. Um, and from what I'm hearing, basically the goal for the Canadians is to not retain salary with Joel Edmondson. Um, and, and that might be possible. I didn't think it was a little while ago, but that might end up being possible for the Montreal Canadiens. Are they balking at retaining salaries both years or just this year? It would be, I, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain. And I, this is just my impression that Ken Hughes yeah. does, wants nothing to do with holding of salary next year. So you right. do a 50% retain now. Right. You know, which is, which is barely Reasonable. anything. Yeah. yeah. So I, I know that Ken Hughes wants to um, weaponize his, his cap space going forward. Cause don't forget next year, there's the flat cap. So, yeah. um, and there's Cole Caulfield signatures coming up pretty soon. So, uh, but, but the goal right now is to essentially get rid of, not get rid of, but uh, for guys like Dadenov too, and all them, it's to not retain salary. So them playing well helps that. But that's much more of a uh, a long shot than getting a first on Joel Edmondson. I'm going to say right now, definitely the Canadians will get a first, but it won't be a high one. I'm thinking between 20 to 30 will be, and which highway robbery. Yep. Right. Yep. Hey, it's I still a, great value. Speaking uh, of people, speaking of people that might move, I have a question for you guys. Did you guys see Durant shadowing Panarin in that one little stretch? Durant no. played really good defense. I, I don't know what period it was in. It was in the, either in the first or the second period. Yeah, and he was he was just pestering Panarin. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Drouin led the Canadians in shot attempt differential tonight. And someone yeah. mentioned in the uh, 
um, uh, the chat, you know, he gets a good soldier award because he gets thrown back into center, right? Yeah. But 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 he, he the way he did it the way he, it it made me think like if if he if he wants to play hockey again next year and let's assume he does why wouldn't he mm-hmm. um, and he wants to sort of reimagine himself to a league that's probably skeptical of paying him all that money you have does to show have, do you have does he have the the chops or the desire to be like a Guy Carboneau center forward sulky type guy does he have any I, mean, I don't I think he has the ability does he yes. have the interest Andrew shaking his head. I think because he has that's the only way he stays relevant. Yeah, I think he yeah, just has. He can't produce in top six right now, so that kind of yeah, mitigates yeah. his value. Yeah, like I don't think the uh, the issue for Duran on defense has ever been effort. I think that he wants to be a good defensive player, but his defensive instincts are just very poor. Okay, and his skill set, the way it's developed, is just like what are his weaknesses? Like if he's playing on the wing, right? Like because uh, he's not going to be playing center long term. If he's playing on the wing. One of his biggest weaknesses is he's not good in board battles, right? Mm-hmm. If you can't win board battles on the wing up near the top of your zone, you're not going to be very good. He needs to merge with Armia. Yeah, then, yeah. Then oh my <laughs> god! Put those two. <laughs> put Jonathan Druin's talent in Noel Armia's like body. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a good player. But yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I think that the way he kind of carves himself out a career again is a fresh start yeah. and being a great power play player again. Uh, he used to be when he was in Tampa Bay. Never really figured himself out there in Montreal. We're but seeing glimpses of it lately, point. though. Yeah, we are. Yeah, he's been yeah. really good lately. Mm-hmm. I did want to say there's a good question in the in the stream chat here from a while ago. Daniel Clark Bouchard says, "I heard that Montreal wouldn't take Mitchkoff if he were available. Oh, yeah. Do you believe that rumor?" My assumption is that that rumor is if Mitchkoff was available and the Canes were picking at three. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's not a Montreal thing. That's a almost every team now. Because and, of the, there's not even a transfer agreement right now with the Russian Federation. Right. right? Like, no transfer agreement. Uh, Mitchkoff is also playing in like the third tier Russian league. He's, the, and, he's in the VHL right now, right? I yeah. Mean, and yeah. he's not playing a lot, which is weird. Like they don't play very many games. Well, and, there's also the punishment factor because they know he's okay. He's intent. Sorry to interrupt, but he's intent to go to North America and they do not like that. Yeah. You well, know, he signed for another four years there, right? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Cause from what I heard, it was, he was for sure coming through. Okay. I don't think they would have any issue with that. And I think there's actually an advantage here for a team like Montreal. Cause you're adding two years of 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 control on their contract, right? It's not like a a, a Fentanilli or, or no, he's NCAA, so it wouldn't be like a um, Connor Bedal where you, well, you obviously you sign Connor. This is a terrible argument I'm coming up with, but anyways, it, it gives you a couple extra years to, to 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 bring him over, and I don't think the Canadians would hesitate. And I'll say this right now: I think Mishkov is probably the best Russian prospect that we've seen in. I don't know how long, how, how far back are we going here? Like, uh, to, you know, but you're not going to, you're not going to do your first pick with that. Are you, no, you're going to no. maybe do your Florida pick, right. Or your, or your, your Washington pick that you get for uh, what's his face uh, Edmondson, right. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, right. Well, you're I not- think he's gone at four, no matter what, no matter. Think so? Yes, absolutely. I, I, from what I heard is, is his talent level is like almost rivaling when I called the big two, when you were watching the world juniors, when you had Mal- Malkin and, and uh, Ovechkin, which kind of feels exaggerated, but I'm hearing just in terms of pure talent, Mishkov right. is, is right up there with some of the best first overalls in, in draft history. Wow. Yeah. And especially in terms of store of scoring, that's yeah. the big thing, right? Like- and the Canadians need. Yeah. Shooting talent. Let's be yeah. perfectly yeah. honest. Yeah. When you see Dadnov go to the net and, and hit the crest, also again, great, great moves. I think Dadnov wants to stay in the NHL too, because there's that other side of it, right? He 
he doesn't want his career to end, but the Canadians clearly need high-end talent and, and Mishkov would, would fit the bill. But that being said, I, I, I don't think he's going to fall in the Canadians range. I think unless they win the lottery and they go up to one, two, three, maybe, but he'll be gone before they get to him uh, at, you know, to six or seven. So I don't think it'll be an issue, but what I am excited about is that Will Smith might end up in Philadelphia. And that's, that 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 is one of the that, that would make me so happy. I would be very very happy with that. But we should say also that uh, Mitchkov, I was just checking, is now on a loan to the KHL, playing with I believe Sochi. So he's okay. he's back in in the top league and on pace for like ten goals in thirty one games or something like that. Which which is great for, for, for a seventeen year old in the KHL. In the KHL. Oh Absolutely like, fantastic. But, but and Andrew wants the team to tank, so this is right down his alley, right? I want the team to tank, and I'm disappointed that Hughes and Gordon haven't traded some of these guys already. I know you have to wait for the market to have, to come up, and I know that, you know, but if you're taking half the salary anyway, you know, games like this are killers for people like me who yeah. want to see the 11-game losing streak. You know, want Absolutely. to just well, uh, for the next three months. I think that one of the main things that Ken Hughes has been trying to do has obviously he just doesn't want to retain salary. He wants to get his deal. But at one point, him being so fixated on getting his deal, which has worked out quite well, might backfire a little bit because I, I don't want to see Dadnov continuously sliding down the or um, Slavkovsky continuously sliding down the lineup just to maybe get a six round pick for, for a veteran winger. So I think if I had to criticize Hughes, I think that would it would be his handling of, of the excess contracts this year. Well, here's my theory on that. Is it possible that they haven't waived a guy like Dadunov yet because they want him in the lineup because he's not doing anything and that if they replace him in the lineup with a Yelonen or somebody, they're actually going to be better? I don't, and, I don't think so I mean, because... It's kind of like they, a cockeyed argument, but is I think it's really just uh, about getting those tank, guys but going. Management tanks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's just about getting those guys going. Really, like you watched Dadnov the last two to three weeks, and it's not like they had bad underlying numbers. It, there was value to trying it. Yeah, hundred percent. And if he plays until the trade deadline, the way he's playing right now, they will get something for him. It won't be like the first round pick that people were dreaming about when they acquired him, but they'll get something decent. And just to stoke the fires on Matt Vimichkov a little bit. His KHL numbers right now, four goals, two assists in 10 games. That's pacing him for 31 games, 10 goals, five assists. And Alex Sochi, Ovechkin. Last I checked, hold on, well, hold they... on, hold on. Alex Ovechkin. Of course, it was a totally different league back then, but when Alex Ovechkin was 17 in 40 games in the KHL, he scored eight oh. goals, oh, yeah. seven assists for 15 points. So, and so hey. she's, I thought they were actually, they were, there was talk about them closing them down as because they, they actually went into insolvency. So I don't think so. She has a very good team either. Probably not. Yeah. And it's funny here because they mentioned Pasternak, Montreal, uh, MUFC mentions that when we we're an eyes in the prize, we would do this big, um, every, every blog would draft a player. And when it got to the Canadians, there was two guys left. There was Nikita Sherbach and Pasternak. And I was so happy. I'm like, yeah, welcome to Montreal, David Pasternak. But my main reason was that it rhymed with Tabarnak. Like, that's what I really liked about it. Is that, is that you could swear and make it loud. But yeah, what a, what a, a David Pasternak might end up being like uh, Ovechkin-esque in terms of you know what's happening, but you can't stop him. I don't know why I got onto Pasternak right now, but and it's not a boss of me, but man, what a good player. He's going to be a $10, $12 million player uh, uh, in, the, in the future. Okay, Slavkovsky. Is anyone worried about the progression, how he's being used? Because I think when I read his blog on NHL.com, let's be honest, I mean, I work with the Habs. I know that Yuri Slavkovsky is not writing that blog. If I was there, I would have written it. However, <laughs> um, 
<laughs> he doesn't seem to be phased, but I think like house hands are worrying more than than Slavkovsky. So so Andrew with the nice paint. The, oh, they both have nice paintings. Jeez. Okay, Andrew with the with the uh, what do we got here? Probably nice ba baseboards with the crown royal. Andrew with the crown royal. What do you uh, crown royal? The crown uh, molding. What do you think about uh, Slavkovsky's usage this season? I think that must be me. I think I have the crown royal. Like yeah. Um, actually, this is not. I, I have a, a actual uh, Canadians books. I have a lot of Canadians books that I've collected over the years. Um, I'm not worried about Slavkovsky. Either you trust that Martin Saint-Louis and the staff and Hughes that they're not going to Bergevin it or you don't, right? And mm -hmm. so right now, to me, they've earned the benefit of the doubt. He's 18 years old. Um, like I said, if, if if the effort's there, I don't mind the mistakes. Um, I'd like him to be a little bit more aggressive on the forecheck. I'd like him to use his body a little bit more. And shoot. Yeah, and shoot a little bit more. Shoot. Yeah, you know, but but no, I'm not. I mean, I think when when all is said and done, I think after the deadline, he's going to have a little bit more room to roam, and he's going to end up, you know, 25 points, whatever, 30 points, somewhere around there, right? And and it, it, as long as he comes through it fine, he's going to be an asset next year. And um, I mean, he had two great chances right off the bat yeah, there, and I know yeah. some people were complaining that he didn't lift the puck. He did on that two on one. He actually did. Um, um, it, when I look at Slavkovsky. Um, it's funny because Le Cavalier said, hey, when I was his age, I was getting 11 minutes a game. Okay, c'était pas vrai. That's eh, wrong. That's false. I went back and I checked. Le Cavalier was, was getting about 15 minutes as a rookie, which if you guys remember, he was kind of fighting with um, Tortorella. If, wasn't it Tortorella that was the... No, same? no. Tortorella is who took the captaincy away from him uh, oh, when okay. they won the cup. Well, he was fighting with someone that rookie year, but the next year... So, uh, Le Cavalier, who, who had just turned 19, was up to 20 minutes a game. So I don't think we're going to see that with Slavkovsky jump up to 20 minutes a game. But as is what Connor says here in it's it's in in our chat, he's he's loving it. You know, he's he's out there kind of loving life and and kind of just figuring out what he can do and what he can't yeah. do. And we all knew there was not going to be a game changing presence in this draft. So the expectations have to be adjusted. And I. I Despite him being put on the fourth line, I thought he had a really good game tonight. Yeah. We're seeing high danger chances. So five high danger chances in the last three games and eight before that the rest of the season. That's a really good sign for Slavkovsky. 100%. And I'm not worried about Slav either. I think that uh, you, you can see, especially the last, ever since the Subban speech before that game, like three games in a row now, I thought Slavkovsky's been really good. His mm -hmm. effort has been high. It, like he took that to heart what Subban had said about like, you leave it all out there every shift. These people are going to love you forever. And it's clear. Like he memorized the speech yeah. when he was talking post game. So like clearly that has stuck with him and he's such a confident individual. Yeah. He had a better game than Lafreniere, didn't he? Yes. You know what? Yes. I didn't really notice Lafreniere. Yeah. Right. Either. That's my point is that, I mean, he, he had a couple of chances and, but I was, you know, I, I try to watch as, as many minutes of, the, of, of him as I can because mm -hmm. Like everyone else, I'd love him eventually to be with the Canadians, but you know, um, he's what three or two years older, right? He's in his third year now, right? Yeah. And you're still getting these kinds of games where you would have thought he would have been highly motivated tonight. Um, Cole Caulfield certainly was motivated to play against him based on that little tweet thing, right? Cole Caulfield seemed like on fire. To oh, I didn't see that. There was a there was a, there oh, was a yeah, tweet that, drama. Well, uh, somebody suggested that they would trade Caulfield for Lafreniere and Caulfield like the tweet, right? It's Norma Flynn. I don't even have to check. It's Norma Flynn. That I don't know who was. I don't know who was. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I was. And I, you know, I, it just was silly, but he liked it and then he unliked it. And uh, to, today, you know, firing the shot, it's just it, the goalie. I mean, I, I just, I thought 
Caulfield was particularly inspired tonight, and I think Lafreniere was not. Well, yeah, and, and we're, listen, we need right? we need to talk about Caulfield being great. So that's hey, what a what a nice segue right? there, yeah. Andrew. Thank you. That was quality. But before we get to the end of that, we need to remember also there was a guy. What was his name? Gila something. That for his first two years in Montreal, Larue. Larue, yeah, yeah Gila Rue. He's really good with his hands. Great mechanic. Um, not a great skater. But um, in his first two years in Montreal, people were saying, "Why didn't you go get Marcel Dion? This guy's a flop." You know, yeah, so but he was a flop and he was getting 70 points. Or okay, yeah, yeah, he was getting 30 goals. Different era. I, I remember that. I was alive and I remember him coming and I remember him being disappointing and I remember them winning the Stanley Cup, you know, in 73 <laughs> also with him, right? So, exactly. you know, uh, yeah. I don't, I, the, I the different eras of Montreal Canadiens fandom, right? Where it's like, oh, so disappointing. We won the Stanley Cup, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he won the, but, um, the, It'll be interesting to see what the Rangers do with Lafreniere, and and because they they need right wingers, right? They need scoring wingers, and maybe they're going to get Kane, and maybe they're not going to get Kane, and if they don't get Kane, you know, I could see Anderson being of interest to the Rangers. Anderson's of interest to everyone. And by the way, shout out to the chat. Also, I see um I see a few new names, which is cool too. I don't know if Habs fan TV has jumped into one of our streams before, but shout out. Uh, to the good people there. Maybe it's there. the Criminal Justice Network that I am. A part That's of. exactly all it. The, all the district all attorneys, my prosecutor are friends, <laughs> all my prosecutor friends, and defense attorneys and uh, policemen are uh, are watching tonight. Exactly. Yeah, I'm bringing good, my good. audience along. <laughs> but now let's talk about Cole Caulfield. Yeah, I, I feel, and the crazy thing here, and we'll go to we'll go to oh, Andrew. You need a Caulfield in there because you got Dryden Suzuki. You need a Caulfield to sneak right in between there. That would be a well, really good one. Maybe uh, maybe in the summer I'll have to redo my my stream studio. There's plans, but I uh, want I want the Yanni Ninema picture, you know, of him like looking up into the, that's I can't find it in high quality. So if anyone in the chat, his head over top of my head, staring <laughs> down at the camera, I just want him looking at me at all times. Because Andrew, I have an Andrew Markov uh, nameplate here, but I, I stay with the Ninema nameplate because it's the most important thing to me. Okay, Cole Caulfield is he just scratching the surface here? Because we're, we're still we're talking about a guy who just like less than a year ago people are saying this guy's a flop um you know he was in, in laval so is this a guy that's just scratching the surface or is he going to settle into like a just a 40 goalish pace for the rest of his career i was going to say one of the things that i wanted to say coming into this show was am i crazy for thinking over the last couple of weeks he's taken a step cuz it seems like he's considerably better over the last couple of weeks, his he's just, speed. I think I find I find that his he's been finding a lot of open ice. He's yeah. been finding he's been finding his space, and he's been doing it even when Suzuki is struggling. Yeah, right. And big. before it was very much a symbiotic relationship, where like you know Suzuki's feeding, Caulfield's finishing, and mm-hmm. especially on the power play, it's Suzuki controlling everything. Now I'm I'm seeing Cole Caulfield create more of the chances where he's the one who's carrying the puck. He's the one who's dishing at the right times. He's the one getting lost and finding those spaces, uh, like shaking defenders. He had a couple of plays tonight where it looked like he was going to get the, the puck poked off his stick because, you know, he's just a short little guy. Mm-hmm. And then the guy would poke the puck and Caulfield maintained possession of the puck yeah. somehow. It's just his strength down low is starting to become exceptional. And I wonder if he's on the Marty St. Louis uh, lower, lower body center, workout lower plan center of like gravity right yeah but the like tree you remember trunk, uh, program? yeah the tree trunk legs that marty st louis has i wonder if we're gonna see cole caulfield develop those because yeah. listen they had video coming in the other night and already he's looking a little thick 
You know, he's getting that big hockey butt at yeah. uh, 21 <laughs> big, years old. Hey, here. man, it's scientifically proven a big hockey butt is great. Is like it, it propels you into greatness. Well, you I mean, just look, look at, at Sidney like, Crosby. You could bounce a nickel off his butt. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and and we all know Nick Suzuki. Even though he doesn't look that big, he's he, you know he's he's quite thick himself. So, um, I, you know, with Cole Caulfield, what I think is really interesting is that his uptick in defensive awareness or you know his work in the defensive zone has led to how many penalties this year yeah a handful right yeah zero zero he doesn't even have one he no. is by far the lady bing right like yeah winner. He, he should win the lady bing this year oh zero penalties right. that's i mean okay he has 12 penalties six minors in his entire career right um including but, playoffs in, yeah so we're looking at a guy that has he's gonna finish with 40-ish goals uh and a, maybe a penalty here and there you know, and it's funny because a lot of guys don't like the lady Bing, but I think that's just a toxic masculinity thing. Like, eh, lady. <laughs> okay. Um, it's by the way, she's a very, very important person in the history of hockey. But I think that's actually a great trophy. And uh, ever since Stan Makita, I believe he went from one year to leading the league in penalties to the next year. He said, My mom told me stop taking penalties. And then he won the uh the lady bing. Ever since then, it's been cool to win the lady bing. So I'm 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 thinking I'm thinking that'd be a cool little trophy for him. Did Stan Makita win the Lady Bing before or after he swung at that Soviet referee in the US? Uh, oh yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just curious to know if we wasn't they were different times. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, listen, was... Cole Caulfield. I just want to say one thing. My, I have two nieces. They live in the New York area. They were at the game tonight. They went to the game because they love Cole Caulfield and they love yeah. the Canadians. So okay. you know, um, he's delight to watch. The personality is the delight. Even like I said, that shot at the end when he was gassed and he fired it as hard as he could at the goalie yeah um that's the kind of stuff you want to see it's better than dumping it in you know i mean it, it's just uh i think he's a if look if he's a consistent 40 goal scorer it's a they haven't had that in forever and he, he is another piece that you're going to need to have in two or three years when you want to try to compete yeah absolutely yeah, he's not and getting traded long term Okay, and we're Andrew Perry here i'm assuming rangers fan i have to agree it was a pretty sloppy performance from the rangers and the fact that the Montreal Canadiens traveled, they got, they, I mean, they, 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 they lost, or they, they, you know, they struggled yesterday and they're missing. They have 1.5 centers right now. That was a disappointing game for a team that is clearly better than the Montreal Canadiens. So we're giving the Habs a lot of credit here, but like the Rangers still had a ton of chances somehow, but I really do think they'll be disappointed with that performance against one of the worst terrible. teams in the they were league. terrible defensively, the Rangers. I, I, I'm they were just... sloppy. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, just, that exit um, that led or the missed puck that led to um, that was like a Joel Edmondson esque clearance there from uh, I think I don't I forget who it was. It was, uh, anyways, that Suzuki took advantage of it. That was, yeah, rough game for the Rangers. Although Shusterkin, well, oof, I almost got that right. Quite good. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for him, I think the Canadians had five or six high danger chances in the first few minutes, which right. was really nice to see. Yeah, I mean, Caulfield set the tone for that, right? Not many guys make Adam Fox look that brutal as oh, yeah. what uh, Caulfield did to him right off the hop, right? And this game was essentially like a track meet, right? Both teams are getting chances each and every way. Great goaltending performance. Track meet while everyone's trying to eat a sloppy Joe. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just it was an incredibly just sloppy stop, game. Stop. <laughs> Defense optional for both teams. And I loved it. <laughs> I loved every minute of it. It was it was highly entertaining. And it was a great game to have both my kids watching. Yeah. It was, you- I'm glad they didn't watch like the Islanders game. Because then you <laughs> would have turned off. That, that, were you all impressed by how many people? I know it's New York, right? And it's MSG, which 
I don't know if I'm the only one, but man, I love the ceiling. There's something like I, I respect wood. I'm a big respecter of wood. And man, that ceiling, it's just amazing to see. But I was surprised to see how many like it looked packed. And this is while the Giants are in the playoffs. That was a pretty nice showing from the Rangers fans. Yeah, and it's a holiday weekend here, too. And I think the early game makes it possible for parents to take their kids. I thought there were a lot of kids at the game, which mm-hmm. is what the Habs do right around Super Bowl weekend. So, um, but yeah, yeah, it's the earplug game that I call it. I love it, but man, oof, it, <laughs> it drives me a little Coco Lamente. Um, Luc, we're going to mention that because we did talk about it at the start of the show, but Luc D here is saying, is it Luc Dagenet? Are you my old buddy from, did you go to Des Voyageurs in Ottawa in like <laughs> 1988? If you're Luc Dagenet, I'll be really happy, but Samuel Montembeau, fantastic. And I'm starting to give the, get the impression here that he wants the Habs to kind of give him a little bit of a lease on life or maybe a, maybe a new chance because goalies tend to peak around 27, 28. He's not quite there. He had, he had a bit of a downtick, but I think right now, if I had to trust a goalie, and I know Jake Allen's been playing well, obviously you're you're picking Montembeau and you're going to see what's available, Jake Allen, on in the market, in the trade market, right? That That's the logical approach. You're think- you're gonna get in so much trouble with the chat if you start trying I'm to trade right Jake, back Allen to trade Jake Allen again. <laughs> He's got years left on his deal. I don't think he's going anywhere. Trizak's gonna be like, come on, or Noel, yeah, exactly. But I, I, I think he. If you're gonna look at one of them, he's their goalie of the future. Which well, I don't think you you want to say that yet. But I feel like Montembeau is better than he was last year, and Allen's worse than he was last year. That's my perception. I don't know what the figures say, but I get the sense that one's going in one direction and the other's going in the other direction. Yeah, I just based like, on ages, right? Well, I also feel like Jake Allen is um, like next year's problem for Hughes, you know, like, yeah. like, uh, like our, like our is I think is next year's problem for Hughes and, and maybe even yeah. Hoffman. I think they buy him. I think they buy out Armia, but maybe the last stretch of games. Yeah. I, I, I just don't see what, like, I think you want to cut loose there and give him a new chance. Does to, to... Bo have a, 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 is he under contract for next year? Yeah, he got he signed a two year deal. Okay, yes. so they're both under contract for next year. I believe the chat will be the chat will tell us, but I'm pretty sure he I, signed I it before two. his two year, his one year kicked in. Okay, yeah. so he's got at least another year. I believe yeah, Montembeau and- signed next year for one, and Jake Allen's got two years left. Okay, so but so maybe you trade Montembeau and you get a better return, and you keep Jake Allen for Team Tank. That's that's another option. But as um as Connor mentioned here, he's only 26, and and. We, yeah. Jordan Binnington, if I remember correctly, at 25 was in the ECHL. So we really have to change our perception. And there's only there's only so many spots in a goalie in an organization, right? You have six spots for goalies if you have an ECHL team. Um, so, it's, it, you know, there will be good goalies that fall through the cracks. But I think guys like Montembeau and moving forward for the Canadians, those are the kind of guys you want to go find on the market. I don't think you invest assets in getting a goalie. I don't think you invest good draft picks. You just you find the guys that fell through the cracks, or maybe you take a chance in the seventh round. But ever since Anti Niemi won with the Blackhawks, I've kind of been off the you need a franchise goaltender trained. You know, I, I just don't see the value of it now in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, unless one falls into your lap, right? That's I, I think having watched the whole Carey Price era, watching Henrik Lundqvist concurrently. And neither of those teams winning Stanley Cups are really even. I know they made, both made the finals, but even getting reasonably close to like, and, and it wasn't their fault winning one. It no, it wasn't fault. the goalie's fault. But it's they papered like, over so many issues that that was the fault actually. Yes, you know, and I think that's the biggest issue. It's like I don't think it's a horrible idea necessarily if you have a great goaltender to pay that great goaltender like an elite player. 
but you have to be very aware as a manager to not fall into the trap of, okay, we just need to make the playoffs and the goalie will carry us through. He won't because he can't score goals. I mean, Patrick Roy in in 86 was probably the last guy to actually do that. You know, I mean, you could argue 93, I guess. No, 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 I will never. 93 was such a good team. Like, I mean, they, they were Chicago, a great team. Like 23. That was such a good team. Yeah. 1993, the Habs were good. I refuse to accept that that was Patrick Roy's luck. Absolutely not. No deal. Well, I mean, he still won the Conn Smythe for a reason, yeah. right? But... <laughs> and he still maintained an under two well, uh, goals against won, average. They won was... like 10 straight playoff overtime games, right? And, and, and he kept, yeah. I think Wayne Gretzky had like two goals in the first game yeah. and that was that. <laughs> so, but uh, as actually Daniel Clark Bouchard mentions here, Jacob Dobesh. Which it's we mentioned yesterday, but it got Andrew cut me out of the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did it on purpose. Um, Jack, Jacob Dobish is by far their best prospect because we were talking about those Joe Verbetic at one point and um, uh, Dekao, who's playing uh, backup for Frolunda right now, and obviously Caden Primo. Well, that's another thing. They probably should see what he can do now that he's in the NHL. But out of the three big defensemen, because they're literally like large or sorry goalies, they're large goalies. Jacob Dobish, go check out his. Numbers Ohio with State? Ohio State. He for the first lost his first game recently since December second or something like that. His last ten stretch of games has been nine fifty, nine seventy, nine seventy, and it's not like oh the Buckeyes are the most dominant team in the in the NCAA. So Jacob Dobish, and he he's one of those guys that loves to win. He's got like that Patrick Roy almost jerkiness about him, which I, I'm expressing myself poorly, but it's that he's like yeah. I want to be the best always. Yeah, so Let's yeah, exactly. Confident. Yeah, yeah. So Jacob Dobish would be an interesting, uh, interesting guy that you know to 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 give a bit of a uh, a trial to. Well, but I, I, and Caden Primo, I want to see him play. Is that not right. reasonable? Right. Yeah. Would you not have yes, played him tonight, it, Andrew? What? What's that? Sorry. Would you have not played Caden Primo tonight? No, I wouldn't have. No. After after watching Caden Primo last year in the NHL, <laughs> I want him to show a lot better numbers than he's shown we so mean. far in the AHL this year before he gets an NHL game. I don't know. I think we've seen Caden Primo's best and worst in the last year. The playoffs last year, he he like he was right. That was one he, of the best goalie performances. Like the the Laval Rocket should have never made it to the finals. Like that was that was ridiculous. You know. No, Mark. It was because they had so many francophone players. That's why just the best Sandy will have a nice little conversation about that. But yeah, their best player, obviously an American. Uh, no, I hate listening. And I, I love the idea of, uh, of as many Francophones possible right there, but I don't see, it's just kind of funny. Cause when I grew up, it was almost a joke is that you go to Quebec for the goalies. Um, really felt, feels like, like who's the last French Canadian. Well, I guess Montembeau would be, would be it. But for a point it was, or it was, it was Luongo and Crawford. You know, so uh, we kind of lost the. Uh, it's kind of weird to look back at it because that was what Quebec did. It was nothing yeah. but goalies, and it was Patrick Roy, in my opinion, just inspired an entire generation. I don't know if they've had that guy to. I don't know. think that's an opinion, Mark. That's that's just factual. Yeah, 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 exactly. In my in my opinion, chocolate's very good, and gold gold has good value. But I, but I think if you're gonna dedicate your season to to um, progress and to. Um, development i think you do have to see caden primo yes you have to you have to see it so you can evaluate it so you know what you're going to do are you going to finally cut bait with him are you going to keep him are you going to move one of these other guys out this is the time to do it and yeah i would have played him tonight um it might have made a difference in the outcome of the game but then um that would have benefited the canadians too so uh, you know uh, i think you give him a shot and you see what happens and i guess you know, he's been injured, right? He got hurt and, and he's been out for a while and he's just gradually coming back now, right? At the AHL level. 
Yeah, so maybe well, that was the reason. And but he's, he hasn't found him. consistency in the. Yeah. But I will say this. Oh, and they're reminding me. I forgot about Marc Andre Fleury, which uh, somehow. And also, it's not just a Quebec thing, right? It's a Canadian thing for goalies in in yeah. general. I actually think not to get too intense. It's a socioeconomic thing as well. Um, you know, first of all, so many parents can't afford hockey for the kids, and if you're going to be a goalie, that man, beaucoup bucks to 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 play goalie. Um, you know, and and, and every single year. So you hope your kids become like a defenseman or something, or, or maybe, you know, <laughs> or an equipment manager or something like that. I hope your but, kids become Connor Bedard. Yeah, no right? kidding. Right. Okay. So I agree with Andrew there, just in the sense that Caden Primo, and he'll be fresher right now. And I know why, I don't know if this ever came out, but when he, Caden Primo is the youngest player ever signed out of the NCAA. Okay. So he was a uh, 19 when he signed away from Northwestern and their coach at the time told me, um, Northeastern. Yes, yes. Oof, geez, there's some people that'd be very upset with yeah, me right now. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> their coach, who I'm, I'm trying to think, he's now the director of the, the whole um, sports program. But anyways, Marc Bergevin told him next year, Caden, if you sign now, you're gonna be our, you're gonna be our backup, and the year after that, you'll be our starter. This is what he essentially promised the kid to get him to sign early to come over. So this kid came into Montreal thinking, hey, I'm the next big thing, and and they really. You know, they convinced me to do this, to get rid of my college career early, to not develop fully. And he kind of got that yanked out underneath yeah. from, you know, the rug got yanked out. Now, I am not saying he deserved it, but that's what he was told coming into the NHL. So when I saw him last year, I went to a Laval practice and he kind of, he was out there just taking shots 20 minutes after. And I, I kind of asked him about that. I'm like, are you kind of upset about the whole, you know, how did that go? And he said, hey, listen, at this point, because that that's hockey player for yes. He's like, I just want to prove to them that I can do what you know right. I was told I could do. So I'm with Andrew here, smarter Andrew. <laughs> they have to give Caden Primo a chance because what do you, if not? Where, where are you going with them at this point? Yeah, I mean, this is the perfect year to do it. <clears throat> and tonight would have been the perfect night, and we'll see. I don't know how injured uh, Jake Allen is. I guess he's on the mend, like the rest of them. What's the story with um with um the center? Um, is he skating? Jake Evans. No, um, Monahan is he actually skating again? But not con- no practice. Um, right? I should know I this. He's been skating. He's supposed to be back is... in about a week. Okay. I believe he skated um, with a a powder blue. I believe. Here, right. Okay. On. And they said on the broadcast that Jake Evans' injury was not as bad as it looked. Is that? Did you guys hear that as well? I was listening to Pierre Hood because I can't not listen to Pierre Hood on RDS when they have the games. So I, I, I probably missed that one. Yeah. yeah. I don't have that. Yeah, I, I was listening to my kids saying, "Play fire truck, please, Dad. You're the garbage truck now. Do this, yeah. do that." So I think I, I heard that. I, that. I think I, I think I heard that twice. I'm so seeing Eric Engels tweet out here on January 5th, seeing Monahan skate. Now we all know it's it's not a Peter Forsberg situation, but foot injuries are, are pretty sketchy, right? So that's that's one of those that you never know about. But um, he needs I, to come I, back, play one game, and then yeah. out. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly One what game. I told Andrew he yesterday. Needs to, he needs to end the game conscious and alert, or that's not even finish. <laughs> get the game. him to score on the power alert. play and pull him. Like that's it. Yeah. Like Respond I'd like to... to see him get a stretch of like five to eight games with Slavkovsky. That's that's all I want to see. Is just him and Slav seem to have some chemistry. I want to see if he can bring something out of Slavkovsky, and if not, hmm. then we can 
move on and, and uh, get the trade done and over with because I'm sure that there's a bunch of teams salivating at the idea of Monaghan just based on how well he was playing so far this year and the rarity of centers at the trade deadline. Bull right. Horvat, and then that's about it because I know uh, Taves is thing put maybe Max Domi, but you know Max Domi might have that appeal because for some reason GMs love that kind of type of player. But no, Monaghan, in terms of his two way, no, there's no other player like him in the and on nobody's going to bite on Dvorak. You know what? I heard. I actually have heard there's been some interest because there's that face-off obsession. And he he before he came to Montreal, he was good defensively. He come Yamakil Metro since then. Like he hasn't been great defensively since then. But um, I, yes, I heard there's actually been a couple nibbles about uh, Dvorak. If out of that group of let's say underwhelming veteran players, he still has value in my opinion. I think they could boost his value higher than what it currently is. It just didn't work out. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the one mistake so far that Kent Hughes has made is I think that if they would have traded Christian Dvorak this summer, they would have gotten more for him than at any point in the remainder of that yeah. contract. And I remember saying, no, no, he just got, he, he went on a huge heater. You want to see what he can do? But yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause hey, we he ever... was one of those guys that after St. Louis took over, he was injured at the start, I believe. And then he oh, came into the lineup started just flying. There. Yeah. Immediately. The production was like, Oh, okay. Back to what he was doing in Arizona. It was normalization. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. and this year it just hasn't worked out that way, and it's it's unfortunate because I feel like now like most teams are probably looking at him and saying like, yeah, he's a guy, he he fills a roster but spot. You but don't is he a guy that takes us over the two. edge? You look no. at him as a really good third center. I don't even think he's a really good third or a really good fourth if you're being honest in a playoff roster. Yeah. We have a really good question here from a rock smasher, um, and we'll we'll give this to uh, Andrew with the crown molding. Um, do you claim Nadelkovic off waivers? So he's the, the goalie that was goalie. really good for the Canes, but I think it was the Canes were really good for him. Young guy, Detroit, terrible numbers. But um, right now, do you, do, you, do you even sniff at a goalie or do you not worry about that? He's got term left, right? He's, is he a UF? I, I think he's couple, got a year. couple years, right? Yeah. and he's I researched not, this so well. He's not cheap. So no, my, my vote is no, unless they see something spectacular about him. I mean... He's got, uh, okay, so it's a two-year. So basically, um, oh, no, hold on. Let's see here. Oh, no, okay, it's his last, it's his last. Uh, okay, so. Yeah, and, he, and but he's going to be a UFA, right? So there's not much control there, not much value. I think he was good because Carolina made him look good. Right? Yes. Yeah, and the thing about Hughes and Gordon is you don't know who they like and who they don't like and who they know and who they don't know, right? And who they have an inside pipe to and who they don't. So, you know, that's kind of the interesting thing about this season, right? It's it's like you kind of knew where Bergman was going to go hunting for stuff, and you don't really know where these guys are doing that yet. Um, yeah, I, I know he's I, the busiest GM in the league, so he's. But we heard that about G about uh, Marc Bergevin. Bergevin as well, yeah, always working the phones. Marc Bergevin and his Rolodex, his exactly. his big Rolodex. Okay. That was the big thing back when he was hired. I I'll say we need to wrap thing, up, but I want someone to to clip you saying you're the garbage truck of Game Over. <laughs> Because that's uh that's amazing, that's just fantastic. Garbage truck man, I always wanted to be a garbage. You know what they make? They make good money as well. Hard work, but good money. Yeah, they're an essential service. Yeah, exactly. Hey, before we get going, I'm gonna let Andrew do the goodbyes and all that. But I want to thank um everyone in the chat. That's like I missed yeah. all of you so much, and it's really cool that you came back after a little bit of a technical issue there. But thanks to everyone in the chat because we're so lucky that you'll take time to come out and, and, and look at us and deal with these faces here that you have to deal with. So uh uh merci beaucoup. radio. 
Yeah, exactly. Merci beaucoup. Hey, I'm a Kennedy, right? So you know what that means? It's a, a big head. On our on our coat of arms, it's three guys with masks. So that that's just to tell you exactly, you know, it's the, the good old ugly heads of uh, Kilkenny. So shout out to everyone in the chat. Really, really much love to uh, everyone uh, giving us the time of day. It's really appreciated. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us here today. Uh, Thanks especially to Andrew Cohen for for joining us. Absolutely. Andrew yesterday is saying he's going to be smarter than us. I'm like, well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He'll be smarter than you guys. <laughs> Debatable. Yeah. Hey, yeah. we'll There's be back. Two people that have ever said that Andrew and my mom. Okay. And I know my mom was <laughs> lying about it. So I'm <laughs> just saying. All right. We'll be back on Tuesday for another edition of Game Over Montreal. It's fun to be back live again. So uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. Make sure you like the video. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Ring the bell to get all the special notifications that. There's a new video out, all that stuff. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow everyone on Twitter. Their stuff's in the description, whether you're listening on the podcast or on YouTube. We love you very much. Montreal Canadiens won tonight, but the tank is still on because Vancouver won too, so they didn't move anywhere in the standings. All right, everyone. We'll see you then. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook.